And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Have you used text messaging and SMS to help anything in your business? Do you know that it can be a great marketing tool? It can be great for reminders, notifications. And remember, if you provide services, reminders to your staff and your clients are both a good thing because if one of them's missing, you don't make a transaction. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on today's episode of Startup Hustle, which is powered by Fullscale.io because hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. There's a link for that in the show notes. If you're unaware, that's my company and we love talking to startup hustle listeners. When you go to fullscale.io, it takes like two minutes to fill out the questions and we'll match you up with team people that can help you out. So that's what we do. Speaking of doing stuff with me today, I've got Martin Lean, and Martin is the co-founder and CEO of Volt. You can go to textvolt.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. It'll be right around that fullscale.io link. Uh, Martin's company is on Startup Hustle's list of Tulsa's top startups in 2023. Straight out of Tulsa. I mean, I said Tulsa a lot. Martin, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you so much for having me on, Matt. You know, I, you know here, I, I like to start all my conversations with a little bit about your backstory. So uh, what, 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 what brought you to being one of Tulsa's top startups, Martin? Ooh, well, I guess me and my co-founder started off running a text marketing company for three and a half years, uh, which really helped us then uncover all of the frustrations and agony that is running a text uh, feature in a software company, uh, which really then set us off to try and solve that problem. Okay. Um, now, uh, you know, I've already had some people ask, they're like, why are you featuring Tulsa as top startups? You know, a lot of people don't realize this, but Tulsa's on the come up, man. It's, uh, you know, being from, and also if you're unaware, Startup Hustle's based in Kansas City. So I know a whole lot about markets that people overlook on many days, but man, you know, Tulsa kind of reminds me of of Kansas City before we got the Google Fiber thing, which if you're unaware, Google picked Kansas City to do it to strength. It was the first fiber internet citywide main thing. Hundreds of cities competed for it and they came and did it here, but it, it really kind of moved us up and a level in the startup scene. And 10, you know, here we are 10 years later, um, the, the after effects of that, but I see Tulsa doing a lot of these things too, to attract startups. Another company that was on the list bottle used to be in Kansas city and got lured away. So like for what are you seeing from the inside out? 
Yeah, so it's actually been really fun. Uh, I know there's been, of course, a lot of press about Tulsa lately, uh, and of course around the Tulsa Remote program, uh, how they're paying people ten thousand dollars to come work remote from Tulsa. I think that would be probably the biggest driver, uh, which then has a lot of uh, senior management and senior uh, employees from one of the big kind of Fang or Mang companies really working here in Tulsa, uh, create some good talent, but also the drive from uh, GKFF which is like George Kaiser's foundation, uh, who is a huge proponent of building out Tulsa. Um, so they, of course, now also have a venture capital fund, um, Atento Capital, that started here. Uh, one of their drivers is to help set up companies here and relocate companies to Tulsa, uh, which is actually what happened to us. Um, we didn't move far. We moved from Oklahoma City to Tulsa. Um, but got to be a part of that from uh, May of 2020. Uh, I believe we were their first check. And so we've seen the adventure from the start. Yeah. And, you know, these things do kind of follow that pattern. And I, I yeah, the, I have taught long before we published this list. And actually part of what got Tulsa on my radar was the press about that we'll pay you 10,000 bucks. So um, I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, it, even people that are in tech startups and software and all that, how grossly deficient the supply of software developers is in North America. And that's why I start, that's why my business has grown so quickly because, you know, in the, in the almost six year history of full scale, um, we have seen, uh, you know, 250 to up to 400,000 open programming jobs in the U S meaning there aren't enough people to fill them. So, places like Tulsa are trying, I mean, everywhere is trying to attract people. Are, did a lot of people do that? Like there's that $10,000 thing. Like, do you see, a, do you run into people? They're like, yeah, I moved here because of that. Oh yeah. A bunch. Mm. I mean, there's a, there's a shocking amount. And also, especially since like the, the industry, as I'm sure it was also in Kansas city, obviously it was mostly industrial uh, oil and gas and everything mm. else that's uh, more legacy. Um, so the, uh, pockets of tech workers and tech team members and uh, really also startup uh, people are usually in the same circles. So obviously for me, the people that I run into every single day at the office are people that work on different startups as well as uh, tech and software employees. Uh, so it's it's definitely like a skewed impression from my end, right? Um, but I can definitely attest to that. I mean, it's, it's tough to ensure that you get the varied amount of talent that you need. Um, we've been extremely lucky uh, in Tulsa. Actually, our entire team is currently uh, in person in Tulsa, uh, even though we do uh, obviously a hybrid um, kind of work schedule. So, you know, at, and once again, if you want to learn more about what Martin does, go to textvolt.com. There is, if you want to read the complete list, uh, you can find that at startuphustle.xyz. Uh, you know, at, so at textvolt.com or Volt, you were once also known as Flow or Respond Flow, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, no, nothing wrong with a little pivot and rebrand. We've all done that <laughs> long ago. Full Scale didn't start out as a software service provider, by the way. It was like we started a different company. We're like, hey, maybe we should do this because it's better. But, you know, every entrepreneur, every business, every software, every amazing product does something to truly benefit, change benefit its clients, users, uh, prospects, and, uh, you know, it solves a problem. So let's talk about the problem that you solved and what made you become passionate about solving it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, and like you pointed out, I mean, our previous company was for SpawnFlow and that was originally built to be uh, a sales driver. So for sales teams being able to set their uh, their meetings and then be able to remind people 30 minutes ahead of the time that they were going to call from that same number. Um, with time, it kind of morphed uh, as we needed to expand and as our market couldn't stay as niche as like medical sales teams. Um, and it, we soon found ourselves just being a uh, solution looking for a problem instead of a problem specific solution. Uh, which I think a lot of founders find themselves in. We were extremely lucky that we were in a field that was just littered with problems. Uh, and we had also then gotten over three and a half years of experience running a company in it. Um, and when back in, I would say like the spring of 2021 is when there was a lot of legislative issues and changes to SMS uh, called 10 DLC. Uh, it's, uh, it gets a lot of acronyms. I'll try and uh, stick to, uh, you're required to define acronyms on this show. I, I will, I will, uh, I, my listeners will attest to the fact that I usually stop or find them out. I'm like, okay, all right. What does that mean? But yeah. Well, I'm happy to explain it. I will just say though, that it's very similar to financial, uh, industries mm -hmm. where acronyms are actually just abbreviated versions of previous names. Yeah. And then they mean something else. So it's built to be confusing. 10 DLC. Yeah, well, it really is because there, the, well, there's only so many letter combos and sequences and you'll find that certain things, I don't have a, a, a example right offhand, but yeah, I mean, I'll talk to someone and I'm like, you're saying this, but I don't think we're talking about the same thing here. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing though. 10 DLC is one of those examples. Like 10 DLC stands for 10 digit long code, which mm -hmm. is the definition of a local US phone number. Yep. The local US phone numbers called 10 digit long codes has existed since that became text enabled. Uh, however, uh, 10 DLC is something brand new. That is more or less a registration demand from the CTIA. That is, or CTIA then being the uh, kind of um, coalition of the major carriers in the US and then being handled by uh, the uh, campaign registry, which is managed by them. So super complicated for no reason. Well, and, and that governing body's there to try to prevent fraud and bullshit. And like, I mean, cause there's, I don't know, dude, I mean, honestly, I get a text almost every day. I don't know where it came from for the last two weeks. That's clearly a phishing scam. Oh yeah. There is, you know, it's like your Netflix count is on pause. I'm like, I'm watching it. I was exactly. literally like going through it and they're like, you're going to need to click here and log in. And, you know, I've had those and those are, those are fraud attempts. Oh yeah. No, yeah. they're all, they're trying to cut that down and spam and misuse and, you know, any, uh, and, and you know, everyone's like, Oh, but texting has been around forever. Has it? Cause I got my first text message 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that, you're like, yeah, but that's 15 years dude in the world of tech. That's like a blink of an eye. Yeah. And yeah. especially when you're looking at it from like business texting, that's been relatively recent, but that's been just surging. Um, and I mean, that's the great thing about 10 DLC. It's built to be able to now go from what was previously just a tiny little backcountry road where you could drive as fast as you wanted because there's no cops to now being the Audubon where you have guards basically on every speed limit, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's, like, there's no speed limit, but a speed limit that's specific to each individual car that you have. Now we're pretending that that is the brands, right? Okay. Uh, so it's extremely complicated. You are then, after you've registered, told by 
the carriers. And this is dependent for each individual carrier. What, how fast you can send SMS, how many SMS you can send per day. And this just completely revamped the requirements for infrastructure. Because if you were a CRM that had a thousand brands under you that all sent SMS, suddenly now the TCPA- You just look like one sender, not a thousand, yeah. Exactly, but you have to register yeah. all thousand. That's the problem. Oh, wow. So now, yeah, so now suddenly that burden of overhead to be able to register, but not just register, but independently speed limit each individual yeah. registration on the feedback and the score that they got just suddenly became such a burden. And that's where really Volt came out of. So we knew that there was a plethora of providers out there like Tulio, Telenix, Bandwidth, MessageBird. There is hundreds. However, yeah. Everybody that sends over about 100,000 messages per month usually has more than one gateway. They use at least two, if not three. We work with people that use seven. It's because you need redundancies, especially in a infrastructure and a technology that is reliant on physical infrastructure as well, like cell towers. So the parts of issues and unreliability is always prominent. Um, so what we then do is building that connection point that has all the infrastructure requirements, but you can still choose and work with whatever provider that you want. And that really so, is- So for, for lack of a better acronym, you are, uh, you are basically an application performance monitoring tool. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put or it. Or is really, that a good acronym? <laughs> I would say a better acronym is probably messaging ops. So uh, yeah. right now, there's a lot of uh, hype around DevOps and how internal teams, of yep. course, need to make sure that everything is managed, especially the upkeep and overhead of managing your structures. But that has never been a thing in messaging, especially SMS. And now that there's so much more work, we find that the biggest companies out there, the ones that send the most SMS, SMS marketing companies and so on, they all have a VP of messaging ops or a director of messaging ops. And yeah. the reason for that is, it's really an interdisciplinary job. It goes between customer success because they are the ones that get yelled at by a customer when messages fail. They then elevate that to engineering as a bug because messages failed. We need to look into it. That's then engineering. And then engineers complain that it took so long to figure out what the issue was that they elevate that to product. And of course, at the top, COO, CEO, CFO really just sees the company churning out money and cost for hours of work that is completely unnecessary. So we alleviate right. all of that and one connection point for it. Yeah, and as the as the builder founder of Gigabook, which we use for a ton of stuff um, internally and externally, I've learned a lot about messaging in general. Everything because you know Gigabook's just it's a booking platform, you know, and uh, and with that, you know, we use the engine inside of it. Maybe that ended up being the most robust side of it because like the full scale platform is highly dependent on it. We have a lot of people. There's a lot of complexity with booking, reminding and, and messaging in general. People look at like making an appointment. They're like, God, this is really straightforward. Well, putting something, a singular thing on and off of the calendar is actually quite simple. But it's the if thens and the combos and the timing and 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 all of that and, and the customization and the control that get exponentially complex. And I've talked to a lot of people about this and because uh, they're building something that's going to have a scheduling or reminder component. And I'm like, well, when are you guys going to address that? And they're like, we're saving that for last. I'm like, you might want to do that now. 
because yeah. it, it gets it's really kind of sticky and weird and and you know so i'm at the i'm at the te- i'm at textvault.com and there's three things that you've got on here right near the top you know get notified when sms deliveries occur quickly understand why they failed and get insights on how to fix the issue now here's the thing is and and i have a strong appreciation for what you guys are doing martin because none of the other people none of the places you buy the text from so tell you when your stuff is off they'll tell you if if they 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 do detect if they think it's been compromised or if someone's so like with a platform like gigabook what we've had to learn to maintain and monitor well first off text messaging has gotten pretty expensive and people don't realize this is the way that you get billed for texting what regardless where it comes to business they you get so many characters and that's a packet and these packets, if you, so we went through this cause we had some users. We're like, how is this person using this much text? Well, they have these like Uber long, they're like putting their entire terms of service or something and do a text in it. And so that ends up counting like 10 text messages. Yeah. So, you know, we had to throttle length content. Yeah. Uh, you know, now we don't even, we give you, I think maybe like five text messages before you have to be a paid user to send them. Um, there's different rates for international. Like it costs me four times more to send them to people in the Philippines than it does here. And, you know, there's a lot that goes on with that. And then, you know, another thing too, is I'm looking in here, you've got like bad numbers. Yes. Like I don't even want to know. I feel like if I hook up textvault.com to gigabook, I might barf afterward if I realize how many bad numbers, cause your client, cause our users are putting them in it takes one fat fingered response or something else to just kind of kill it. And, and you're definitely right. We've had to navigate through that spot where like, it's kind of like a shared thing. And then, you know, one of the things that's tricky too is, you know, people, okay, so here you are, you're going to your golf lesson and you get the reminder and I'm the golf coach, which is a bad example because I'm a terrible golfer, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, so they get a reminder and then they want to reply back and they're like, I can't be there at four 30. Well, that's, you, that's very hard to aggregate in a way that is conversational and relevant and stuff like that. So you get charged for that too. It's super complicated. I think at the bottom of it, the problem that we found was the industry has since Tulio really built the CPaaS industry in 2008, um, been based on API attempts, which works really poorly when you're talking about SMS, because you don't care as a consumer of that unless it delivers. Because like, yeah, SMS can be super powerful, but honestly, if you get charged for 100,000 attempts of phone numbers that weren't even actual, you got zero ROI. So you need to, of course, then that's one of the core problems. And we even see that now that we're analyzing several millions of messages every single day now, being able to call out that 20 to 30% of messages that we see across really independent of industry is bad phone numbers. So- check that with whether or not they're a carrier. But secondarily of that, we even go as deep as to check whether or not they are an actual number. So in other words, don't remove them from the list because they were just at a cruise. So they were outside of connectivity. So you should still continue to reach out and you should try again. So the tool that we're talking about on the website is really our analytics tool. However, there's really two tools that we got. We got the first one, which is the analytics tool. I call it the DIY. That is the one that tells your engineers what to do to solve it. And it tells your customer success team before the customer gets angry and calls you out 
to tell them, hey, you need to change this Bitly link because that's causing you to get all of your AT&T contacts to fail. And then the second one is really Bolt Connect, uh, which we talk about at the bottom of the website, I believe, uh, where we just solve all of that. Like we handle the issues proactively and any issues that does po- like pop up at the end is stuff that we then solve for you. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like that's, that's the Rolls Royce, right? That's where you don't even need engineering capabilities or engineering uh, efforts in-house to be able to get a premium SMS infrastructure. Speaking of engineering, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult. Thanks for teeing that up for me, by the way. (laughs) Especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Fullscale.io to learn more. Once again, it takes two minutes. Fill it out, folks, because I'm telling you, we do some amazing stuff for amazing people. And We'd like to consider you to be on that list. Let's talk about that for a second, man. You mentioned like building a team and, you know, that's hard. It's hard. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to, you guys founded in 2019 where, or sooner was that? Yeah, that was the Responflow uh, like platform. So it started a completely bootstrapped 2019 yeah. to middle of 2020 until we then closed funding. That's when we went full-time uh, with the co-founding team at the time uh, and then built that until basically mid-2021. Yeah. And once again, congrats on the success and being on the list of Tulsa's top startups. Make sure you check out that episode. There's some really cool companies in there. Um, you know, when it talks about like the talent and people that, you know, I just published a, a, a reel. I was either Instagram or Facebook. If you guys want to, if you haven't heard it, me talk enough, go find us on social media. We're putting out a lot of great stuff, but you know, I, I, I had one that that just recently came out, it's talking about building, you know, if you want an all-star company, you need an all-star roster. And I know I look back at, and what do I know about that? Well, I've built an all-star roster at full scale, but I've also gone through a evolutionary process as I approach being 50 years old at this point, man, I'm 48 this year, which is crazy. But you know, the, the thing is, is like, you got to have the best people around you. How has that gone for you? Like, I mean, cause we, if you, it, when people that have more than 10 employees tell me if they're like, oh yeah, I pitch, I, get, I hire the right people every time. I think either you just don't realize you didn't or you're lying. Yeah, no. And I, I think, especially as we've also gone through a pivot, right? Like it's, it's tough to find the right people that can not just be right for the company at such an early stage, but also be able to scale beyond that. And then you toss in a pivot as well. Then it's like, well, you also need to be flexible to to move around that. Super tough. Uh, we've been extremely lucky and I will call it luck. Um, however, what we focused on the entire time was trying to make it an extremely employee-friendly company. Um, so I guess a little bit of background, I won't go too far into it, but uh, I was born and raised in Norway, lived there for the first 20 years of my life, uh, came to the US about seven and a half years ago. And um, like the entire focus of any sort of employee relationship there was first and foremost, you were always taken care of health-wise. Like that was never a concern. And secondarily, vacation was something that was mandatory like upbringing and, and probably a hell of a lot more of it than here oh yeah oh yeah it was yeah. a minimum minimum of eight weeks right so at that point it was like it was critical uh How and did it, get anything done 
it's crazy. It's getting anything done. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being the, honest. Like I'm, I, I get it. And I don't on some of that. I would say, like, I think maybe it is like, everybody is planning around summer vacation. So mm. most Europe, like well, in Norway, you're probably pretty happy to get outside by the time that's come around. Yes. It's like the few okay. weeks in the sun. So, so they're we like, we're going to get a lot of shit done for 10 months. Like, yep. in fact, we'll burn ourselves out, but you got to know we're going to need sunlight, air, and some warmth. Exactly. Okay. That, that makes a lot more sense. But it helps people be able to then spend time with family and what really matters. And then, I guess, lastly, was one of the, the kind of cultural phenomenons that I, that I haven't seen too much here and that I want to strive for us to hit is I remember growing up, we would always go to this cabin. Uh, by a ski resort. And I was like, wow, this is a really nice cabin. And I was convinced for the first years of my life that that was our cabin. No, no, no. That was the company cabin. And every mm. single Christmas party, you pull a week out of a hat and you get that week off, but you have to go to that cabin and you have oh, to. Oh, that's pretty cool. Flow, relax. Yeah. That's all the equipment you need, a bunch of bedrooms, all of the ski equipment, uh, sauna, everything. So you're basically then just getting to take those vacations and that's something that I really want to just get towards eventually. It's obviously not something. Yeah, my wheel spinning on that one, man. I'm I'm, picture, I'm picturing my our new full scale brand beach house. There you go. In the Philippines, because yeah, because the well, because the affordability there uh, is is that um, yeah. So, so you you wait, you move, you grew up in you do not sound Norwegian at Thank all. Thank you. Yeah, I've been working. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean that it's not bad to sound Norwegian, but I never would have guessed you weren't just. You also don't sound like you. You also don't sound like you grew up. <laughs> and I'm not I picking on Southerners. I have a lot of family in Texas. I spent a lot of time. I'm from Kansas. Sometimes my wife makes fun of me because she says that I say ten, not ten, <laughs> not ten. There you no, go, Jill. If you're listening, ten. <laughs> But no, so what was that like, man? Because I feel like going from Norway, which I, I asked Chat GPT to give us a couple facts about Norway. 5.4 million people, capital of Oslo, got a lot of beauty, beauty like fjords. I've never yeah. seen a fjord. I do know how to spell it. That's as close as I get. But it's also one of the wealthiest countries in the world and uh, has a lot of uh, social and environmental policies that I admire, especially around, well, I think the Dutch take credit for the windmill, but I believe isn't Norway one of those countries that's almost all fully on sustainable, oh, renewable? Yeah, we, we have more, I think, waterfalls than any other place in the world. So all those- oh, they use the wheel? The wheel? Yeah. yeah it's Interesting. Okay. So we could cover, but we make a couple mistakes as well as a country. I will call out, we sell that then for cheap to Europe during the summer when we then get that hydro. And then in the winter, we buy expensive. That gold. sounds entrepreneurial. I'm into that. I mean, if you're yeah. getting what you need out of it or whatever. Is, and I, I believe it's, isn't, is it Denmark or Sweden or one of those two is like full on like 100%. It's the yeah. windmill. Those. Yeah, the windmill side of things. Farms uh, just yeah. around because of course they have like kind of yeah. the entire island is surrounded by just extremely windy seas but yeah no i will say it was quite the culture shock i had never even visited the u.s uh when i ended up coming to will rogers international airport in oklahoma city uh to go to school at ou the university of oklahoma yeah uh, my accent was go, go go jayhawks by the way i'm a kansas <laughs> fan so uh, we gotta yeah. say sooners for that one but i get to, I, we get to we get to beat oklahoma in basketball a lot and then 
not a good return the favor returned to us in tenfold on the football field where we get destroyed yeah i love how they always put kansas first it's like well yeah it, well the funny thing is is with with that like yeah all the other schools they really do are used to like kansas is kansas university has won more college basketball games than any other college in the history of college basketball and i feel like in the history of college football they may have lost more games so most people that are Kansas University fans don't even, they're like, oh, we have a, the, the joke is like, wait, we have a football team? <laughs> no, we have a football team. They just usually suck. Oh, so, yeah. And that's all anyway. OU. So you, so you were, that, so that was it, Oklahoma University. Yeah, University of Oklahoma. Apparently, back in 2015, uh, when I started looking at schools, OU was top three in the world for undergrad entrepreneurship. Uh, right. Yeah. Not. Uh, so, and Norway covers a <laughs> portion of uh of school expenses so mm -hmm. just like looking at like nyu michigan a little bit more like of the the typical to come from norway too uh, but ou was not just perfect for entrepreneurship but also the perfect price so well, i was well, with, with that then you found indiana university in there um, oh i'm sure yeah well that's that and that, that's one of the that's one of the five colleges that i dropped out of by the way um, but no, they, they was the same way there, there, some schools have very, very robust business and entrepreneurship programs. And, and, uh, and I'm willing to bet that at OU, that was a legacy from an entrepreneur that probably funded the program to a huge amount of money. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, do you know who that was at OU? Uh, I believe it was, um, the, the founders of, uh, loves. Oh, the diaper? Like, is this, or is that the wait the the the, the, the the traffic place? Okay, that meaning like the convenience store, gas station. Okay, yeah, store, which gas makes station. sense. It's a, a kind of adjacent to oil. There's a lot of oil in Oklahoma. A lot oh, of cows. Yeah. A lot of red dirt. All of the land. <laughs> a lot of tornadoes, unfortunately. And, and a robust and growing uh, startup scene in Tulsa, which, by the way, is a lot more robust than the one we found in Oklahoma City. So, yeah, no, it's, yeah. Been, it's been great, honestly. Yeah, it, it was uh, at IU, it was at Indiana University, it's the Kelly School of Business. So, Ed Kelly left like 100 or 200, a huge, I mean, ton of money. And he was the founder of Steak and Shake, the restaurant chain, and also the importer and marketer of pop-off vodka and yeah so he left huge amounts of money there and and it was i can attest to the fact that it was a great program and what i liked about it was all right so my my business 101 professor was once the coo of steak and shake which is a publicly traded company no um, that's someone that had done it you know and i did yeah. that i'm I, I you're gonna hear me ruffle feathers when i say that if you're not an entrepreneur you haven't been i don't real. i'm i mean i'm partially listening to your advice about entrepreneurship because what a textbook says and what reality says are not the same completely the textbook's like you go a to b to c to d to e to f to g and then in reality you started at a and had to jump to C because B didn't come to work because B was in a relationship with D and then they broke up and then B got mad. So now you have B.1. You know, it's just like, it goes like, it, there's never a linear path to, and nothing's ever straightforward as an entrepreneur. In fact, hang out with me and you will always, I'm, I'm constantly saying, God, it's always something. It's always something. Right. No, but it's true. It's I mean, it's for just something. There's always something. So <laughs> nobody comes to really the same for, 
for investors too. It's it's like there's a lot of really good investors who's been operators, and I love yeah. working with those investors because then in that yeah. case, like they know the struggle, like they know like okay, well there is situations where you have to just cut down, bottom down the hatches, just make sure that you are uh, ready for for any new trouble that comes your way. But then there's others that's like, no, 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 like right now, obviously you just need to spend money and do this. And then you spend money on this. And it's like, I don't necessarily think that's good advice. Um, and it usually always comes from, yeah, people who went into either just immediately into investor or didn't have uh, then the, the opportunity to work at a startup first uh, and kind of feel that stress themselves. I like the advice when you get, you're like, well, you should do this. And you're like, motherfucker, we're trying, man. Like, yeah. We're not, we're not unaware. We're not unaware of the of the ideal path to the outcome. You know, it's not it's just not always that easy. And people say, well, why not? People. People yeah. is why it's not easy. Like people are the problem and the solution in everyone's business. And people, what about all this automation? And oh yeah, people work, they are the operators of that still. So yeah, it's a a challenge. Now, when it came to raising capital, and I don't know if this is accurate, but what we found is you've raised about $3.3 million. A lot of times I bring these quotes out and people are like, oh, it's more than that now. I'm curious about what that process looked like for you and and what advice you could give listeners on that, that might be going down the same path. Yeah. So, and actually, yeah, this would be one of those cases as well. I'll have to amend that to 3.8. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, uh, yeah, we just pull that from from Crunchbase, and oh, yeah. sometimes it's accurate, and sometimes it's not. Slightly off. Um, but yeah, no. So um, yeah, I would say like when we started out, we were extremely young, like everybody straight from college, um, and I think it was tough to um, then ascertain that like respect, I guess, on like yeah, we are actual true professional operators um and a lot of people keep kind of using the same excuse where it's like well honestly though i probably need to go to an accelerator first or i need to do this or that uh to get that authority um truth is the only authority you need is revenue and if you can oh, prove yeah. the product out there and you can get the revenue people stop asking you well do you really think you can do this and they start asking like well how much more can you do and when they start asking those questions you're ready to race um so that's really the best advice i have don't seek funding until you actually have a product like we started selling stuff door to door like text marketing door to door uh we started talking to restaurant owners businesses and really get the test in their hands that got us to a point where we had 60k about in revenue uh and that was then enough for us to show like hey we were growing 40 percent month over month like if we can do this while all of us had full-time jobs and we were doing this just nights and weekends, what could we do full-time? And that was really the only argument or pitch we needed. Um, of course, like from there on, it's all about scale and it, it gets a little complicated from there on because of course, then uh, it's with established investors, same investors previously for previous rounds. And then of course, new lead investors as well. So that might be too complicated to give a general advice, but. Well, well I agree and disagree. And I do, I'm going to say the disagree part is, is based on situational concerns. Cause you know, cause some things and some founders and some products and some situations aren't ever going to be able to get to having a product. Right. To get yeah. revenue. Because some things, some things it, it, without the product, you can't create the revenue. It can be a challenge. Now, where I, what, where I do want to fully support 
the approach though is you, it sounds to me like you guys focused on revenue as much, if not more in the beginning than product. Now there's a, in the world of sales, salespeople and managers and folks often say sales cures ales. Um, sales is that trump card. It's that shut up. You don't have that objection. We've proved it card yeah. in, in a pitch meeting. And, you know, I, I, once again, back to kind of different content and stuff that I put out, I had a video at some point in the last month or so that talked about what well, don't wait too long because we get obsessed it's as, as builders and innovators and creators, we get obsessed with the product and oftentimes forget you know, forget to sell. And there's this old, uh, this, this <coughs> fable or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's about, it's a story about a shopkeeper that never opens the store. He never gets around to opening the store cause he's too busy cleaning it. And that's an important thing to remember. Like, don't be that guy cause you got to get it out there. And it's in fact, you get to the point where you are actually creating a huge detriment to your company in several different ways. If you don't get it out there, cause if you keep building, 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 I, I made this mistake at Gigabook. We built, there was a few things that we built before we launched that no one ended up using. And looking yeah. back at it, like, I mean, we could have been out there earlier. Yeah. We could have played the time and effort of it. It just didn't, the things didn't land. They weren't as important to the user as we thought they were going to be. In fact, if I could go back and do it again, I would have obviously emulated more like a Calendly. Which oh, yeah. just said, hey, we got it, you know, hey, and, you know, freemium at the time was there was a big debate with some of that. That's a multi-billion dollar company now and my and Gigabook is not. So who was right? They were. But there was a simplicity to it. That's just like a bridge to Google. I tell a lot of people, I'm like, Calendly is probably better for you because it's not complex. Gigabook was more of that. It's Calendly on steroids. And you know, in some cases, that's what people need. And sometimes it's not what, not what they need. But figure out like one or two of the biggest problems that your business can solve and get like a triple plus at those. Because if you're trying to be great at eight things before you're good at one, you're going to be this like C minus kind of thing and product yeah. and company. And it's just, you know, and, and by the way, you talk about investors, they're going to see that. Like I, I give that advice to a lot of people that seek that seek input. I'm like, you are trying to be good at six things, and I don't see that you're an expert at any of them. Yep. No, I think I mean, I mean, like to that caveat too. Like, there's two situations where I think you shouldn't get a product out there or shouldn't get revenue until you have the foundation to be able to do so. It'd be cement factories. Or it would be something that requires just immense experience that you don't necessarily have, which yeah. neither I think is necessarily a good premise. Though, so I think that's probably where the fundamental kind like of don't like, launch your law firm before you're a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. Don't so open a medical then, office before you graduate <laughs> from medical school. Like those are, those are those are those are like layman's examples. So you're like, well, shit, I wouldn't do that. Well, yeah, people do that all the time in the world of startups. Absolutely, but I mean, then on the flip side of that, though, what I tout a lot to our team in general is be a hackathon mindset. If we mm -hmm. have an idea of a new offering, get something out there in two days. If it can't yeah. go out there in two days, like. Now I'm talking like rudimentary, like, hey, if we need to get something like a advanced, like upgrade to our registration sheet, get it like just a simple type form, put the questions that we need, yeah. send it out there. Would people actually pay us for us to then handle that and register, for instance, like that stuff takes no time.
but mm -hmm. instantly can see revenue in several single times, even internally right now with our team, that's gotten us to just get in front of customers, get feedback on what they didn't like and what they liked. And then immediately, I mean, some of them even made us $500 in the first week that we tested that. So it's like that sort of stuff, I think is people get a lot in their head. And that's why I want to always challenge that because I think most of it get blocked in our head because we think it requires a developer or something advanced or like expertise that we don't have. There's so much no code out there and there's so many tools that you can just kind of wizard of Oz it to prove that there is a demand. A, for a Franken platform. Yeah. That's prove what I call it. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah. With me today, once again, I've got Martin Leon, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Volt, one of Tulsa's top startups. You can go to textvolt.com to learn more about what they do while they're down there. Why don't you click some of the other links and see what myself and the other Startup Hustle hosts are doing on social media. It's different than what you hear here. You might like it. You might not. Leave us a comment anyway. We'd love to talk about it. Well, Martin, as, uh, I like to end my episodes of Startup Hustle with what I call Founders Freestyle. And I'm essentially going to give you the mic and let you make closing remarks. So here you go. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, I would say if you're looking to build any sort of SMS uh, infrastructure in your software, definitely see us. Uh, we could either help your engineers do it more proficiently or even help take that off your hand. Uh, and of course, right now, be aware of the changes that's coming down with SMS. Make sure that you're protected against T-Mobile trying to find you $10,000. Uh, and ensure, of course, if you're building a startup, Frankenstein it up. Get the demand before you build it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, for my freestyle, I think there's a lot of good takeaways here. I think that, um, you know, when you talk about, you know, Martin starts his business solving a problem that he was aware of. And, you know, there's there's a lot of services and things out there. You're talking about monitoring something, someone else's activities and things. And there's a lot of plat like connection to third-party platforms uh, that exist without intermediaries, without effective monitoring, with a lot of stuff like that. And and remember, like, just because you're in Tulsa, which like, or Kansas City, or like, I mean, these aren't the top names or city names that come out of people's mouths when they talk about startups. Great. That was my, people are like, well, should, you know, all these years ago, when we moved back to Kansas City from India, we were, my wife and I lived in Indianapolis and we we're like, should we move to Austin? Should we move to San Francisco? No, no, why not? Because Kansas City's great. It'll be a lot easier to stand out there. Oh yeah. And I mean, a, lot, there's a, lot, a lot of merit to that. Like, and, yeah. and being able to, and then, you know, and look, you met, you also alluded to something about the simplicity of the market, meaning there's everyone knows each other. I feel like it's that way in KC in a lot of ways. People are a lot, you know, we have this term called Midwest nice, which I don't always fall into. So sometimes <laughs> I piss people off because I'm too honest or candid about stuff. But, but, you know, there's, there's, if you talk to people from San Francisco, they will tell you how open and amenable people are to meeting each other. And they're just in this really densely packed space. It makes it even easier. Well, it's like that in a lot of cities too. But look, you're not going to get the help that you need the, or, or want or the partnership or the investment or anything. If you don't get out there and start meeting and talking to people, if you can't be a big deal in the town you're in, why are you going to be a big deal somewhere else? So get to know the people that are around you. They're, you'll find that they're, they are huge assets 
assets. They are referral partners for you later. Uh, they're someone to call and cry to on some days. And these are all important things to be successful as a startup founder. Martin, thanks again for joining me and uh, congrats on making it onto our top startups list. Thank you so much, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.